the top seeds in the East and West get impressive wins. The Knicks have another collapse. Oof. And the Raptors keep rolling. This is Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA. Part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. We are free and we're available on all platforms. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and co host of Locked On Nuggets alongside Adam Morris. And I'm joined by David Ramil, host of Locked On Heat. You can find him on Twitter at DRamil13. We're going to break down the Monday night slate in the NBA. At the end of the show, we'll get into the latest in trade rumors and all that jazz from what I'm hearing from the Sauces. But, David, let's go ahead and start with the Phoenix Suns, who go on the road to Chicago versus a banged-up Bulls team. And this score looks like it was a barn burner, a close game, Looks like it was absolutely battle. It was not. The Suns had full control of this one. And I will tell you, this was maybe, to me, this was the best game I've seen from Devin Booker this season. Oh, uh, that's impressive. Uh, What was it about Devin Booker's performance? I mean, 38 points, sure. 5 of 10 from three-point run. I didn't catch much of it as I was watching the Heat game. But at this time, I mean, just from his uh, his statistical output here, it looks like it was a pretty dominant performance, 14 of 23 from the field. Was he was he the difference maker for Phoenix in helping control the pace? Because as you said, they were up by 20 for most of the game and then just caught fire late in the fourth quarter there. Was he the one that was really outclassing what was left of Chicago's defense? Because they're missing Lonzo Ball, they're missing Alex Caruso. So their perimeter defense, a little sketchy at this point. Yeah, a really sketchy performance defensively, especially from the Bulls on a back-to-back after they burned starters heavy minutes yesterday trying to get a win versus the Sixers, trying to steal that one. And you can tell they kind of paid for it tonight. The reason, though, to me, Booker had great control in this game, and that doesn't mean like he had control over his own game. It means like he was dictating what the defense was doing, and whatever they would do, he was adjusting and making him pay for it. He was a step ahead in all of those moves. Like This was a game where you could see – the benefit that he's had, like the growth that he's had over the last couple of seasons. Like, I don't want to like sit here and go, you know, you can really see Chris Paul's influence here because that takes away from what Devin, I think was already showing the last couple of years, but it was very much that level of, this wasn't just like, Oh, Devin Booker explosive score. This was like Devin Booker, a top level guy manipulating and making the defense pay with efficiency and control. He was a step ahead of them uh, pretty much at every single turn. And really, the entire Suns team was. It's funny to me that the Suns basically, you know, if you kind of look at their recent performance, the Suns are in cruise mode. Like They gave up a 126.5 defensive rating tonight, which is not good by their standards. They're just outclassing teams offensively because they know they don't have to. Like, they're able to get whatever they want. This Suns team is so far ahead, I think, of where most teams are at in this season. So I've been debating this, Dave. I want to ask you this. Do you consider the Phoenix Suns a juggernaut right now? A juggernaut? I'd have to say yes, uh, just because they are so good on both sides of the ball. They've got the veteran leadership. They've got the depth. 
They've got the potent scoring. And, 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 you know, you were mentioning Devin Booker before and just thinking how much the conversation has changed over the last couple of years where he was the uh, uh, looter and a riot kind of point scorer. You know, everybody talking about he would be able to put up points on a bad team and didn't have any other positive qualities. And now here he is as a two-time All-Star and, and putting up significant contributions on a team that is poised, I think, to represent the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. So, Juggernaut, yes, I think that's fair. Uh, maybe not dynastic team, because of course they have to win a title or two to be considered that. But for now, yeah, I could see them as being a juggernaut. What about you? It's hard for me because you know the the Bulls closed in this game, but it's mostly behind like nonsense from Malcolm Hill. There have been a, they don't, I don't describe them necessarily as explosive. Like I never watch them like rattle off like these huge runs, and maybe I'm off on that, but that's yeah. like how it feels to me, which isn't bad. They just kind of like basically slowly they are the boxer that controls the fight and they are going to wear you down and they will hit a knockout probably on you at some point but it's going to be when they're ready to make that move like they are not just like coming out with a flurry of hits and shocking you it is they are just going to kind of beat you into oblivion and there's a lot of a lot of impressiveness about that i'm just trying to kind of gauge exactly how much ahead of the pack they are and we'll talk about another team in a minute that, you know, is running the Eastern Conference and got another impressive win tonight. There's a lot of good teams this season. I think Golden State at full strength with Draymond back, if they get Draymond back, is a very dangerous team. I think you look at a team like the Clippers, if Kawhi Leonard were to come back, which Ty Luce said he doesn't expect him to, but if they were to get their guys healthy, that could be a real threat to Phoenix. Um, in the Eastern Conference, obviously defending champion Bucks, but – you also look in the Eastern Conference and some of the teams that are in disarray, like the Nets are supposed to be the favorite, and we know that they're not in a great spot right now. So where from where we stand right now on February 7th, uh, yeah, I think that there is a sizable gap between the Suns and everybody else. In the Eastern Conference, the team leading the pack out East got itself another win tonight as the Miami Heat, the team that you cover on Locked on Heat, got a comfortable, easy, feel-good win versus yeah. the Wizards. Tell me about it. Oh, the Wizards. What a mess they are. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I think the story that everybody's talking about right now is that half the arena sounded like they were cheering Let's Go Heat by midway through the third quarter when Miami had a 30-something point lead. Uh, pretty bad pretty bad game for the Wizards in general. There have been a lot of those for Washington this season. But, uh, you know, Miami started off kind of – they started off with some good pace. Uh, defensively, they've been really impressive. They had a nice run against the Toronto Raptors on – I'm sorry, against the Charlotte Hornets on Saturday – Following much the same pattern where in the third quarter they just kind of really established a strangled hole, uh, stranglehold on the opponent, and that was the case today. Uh, this game was close at halftime, and then the third quarter Miami just said, nah, we're kind of done toying with our food a little bit. And uh, they just kind of just crushed uh, the, uh, the, the, the Wizards from that point on. I think I want to say they're 21-1 and one, uh, this season when they shoot over 40% from three, Woo. and that was the case today when they uh, – they shot almost 56% from three-point range. So a pretty good shooting night for the uh, for the Miami Heat, of course. But look, uh, so many different storylines that you can take for this particular game. Kyle Lowry back after a prolonged absence. He missed nine games due to personal reasons. And now he's back. And you can really see his influence in pushing the pace, uh, controlling the defense, just allowing Jimmy Butler to do what he does well to especially take have some, you know, some control over how Bam manages the game. And we've seen a different version of Bam over the last few games with Kyle back in, the much more aggressive version. Heat fans will talk about Bam not being aggressive, whether or not Bam is a four or a five. And I think 
most fans kind of discount what it is that he does because he does so many things well, but doesn't stand out in the box score. This is a game where you see the more aggressive version of him. Uh, seven of 11 from the floor, seven of eight from the free throw line, finished with 21 points to go along with seven rebounds and four minutes. He didn't even have to play more than 25 minutes. So uh, a great game for him. And he's just so dominant in that regard and, and just such a great player. But Miami in general, just showing some incredible depth. Uh, they got some great contributions from guys on the bench that most fans have never heard of, like Gabe Benson, Caleb Martin, who's on a two-way contract and continues to outperform that value. Dwayne Dedman, who they picked up last season, had been out of the league for over a year. He comes into Miami, and all of a sudden he's a factor for them off the bench. Uh, just a really good deep team. And I don't know, again, similar to what we were talking about with Phoenix, maybe hard to classify them as a juggernaut, but when they're so good defensively and they're getting this kind of shooting that they got from Duncan Robinson and others, it's kind of it's kind of impossible to stop them as that 21 and 1 record shows when they shoot so well. A 21 point win with no Tyler Hero is a pretty good, good point. on the road. Good point. Yeah. Pre- pretty good. Uh the Heat go to 12 and 5 when Lowry, Tucker, Butler and Adebayo play together. So there you go. That's how good they are. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about two teams in the conferences that are trying to catch up to those top teams. We'll talk about those after the break as well as later on the show. We'll talk about the Knicks nixing and the Jazz jazzing a little bit more as well as some trade rumors. We'll do that later on in the show. But first, David's going to tell you about TurboTax. Oh, yeah. No, we, we all have unique lives, whether you're invested in crypto for the first time this year or own an up-and-coming small business, or if you're raising rambunctious twins. I've got enough with a three-year-old, let me tell you. Luckily, TurboTax Live has experts who can answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, or do your taxes for you from start to finish, no matter your unique situation. To TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Visit TurboTax.com. To learn more, you do your thing. They've got your taxes. That's Intuit TurboTax Live. We'll take a break and we'll come back here on Lock on NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us, making this part of your day and making this your first listen each and every day. I do need to tell you, I don't even know this, but the NBA trade deadline is Thursday, this Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And the Locked On NBA podcast will be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, my guy John Corrales, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. Lots of stuff burbling under the surface as far as trade talks i've been writing a little bit about what i've heard over at action network yeah oh david uh let's go to charlotte where the toronto raptors have been on a roll i tell you i cannot figure this team out because every time i think that they're down they're up and every time i think that they're up they start to fall off but they are on a bit of a sustained winning streak maybe having gotten everybody healthy and kind of turned the corner they're getting fans back in the arena here after the all-star break uh this might be the actual turn i think of things for the toronto raptors who are now in sixth place in the eastern conference out of the play in tournament they are eight and two in their last 10 after they get past the charlotte hornets here i watched most of this game i paid pretty close attention to this one because i wanted to get a sense for where both of these teams were at and it was really kind of fascinating 
So one of the interesting things is Charlotte last year had a lot of success defensively because they mixed up their coverages. They were one of the teams that ran switch the most. And this year, they're one of the teams that run switch the most. Last year, they were one of the teams that ran zone the most. And this year, they were one of the teams that run zone the most. And if you throw those two things at most NBA teams, they get a little rattled. They can get a little bit off balance because they're not used to seeing it. Most everybody runs drop and pick and roll in the regular season because it's easy. Zone and switch are hard. And yet the Hornets do it. The problem, though, David, is that the Hornets are really bad at it. And the (laughs) the Raptors were able to take advantage of it. Uh, The Hornets kept kind of would crawl back into this thing. And then immediately the Raptors would rattle off great play for a corner three, turnover for a layup, fast break for a corner three, like just over and over and over again. They got 24 points from Gary Trent Jr., who continues his streak. He was a minus three and a half, but played really well. OG Anobi um, was only eight of 18, but he had some big plays. Man, I got to tell you, Pascal Siakam was awesome in this game. 24 points on 10 to 16 shooting. He just got to his spots whenever he wanted. Like this, I'll say this. Sometimes Siakam's handle is a little bit loose. And even when he was trying to face up yeah. a little bit down the stretch, it got a little shaky. But when he yeah. posts up, he is so good about being able to get to his little fadeaway and those little step throughs and the small moves. He's added some stuff and boy, did he look good tonight? Uh, 24 points, 11 rebounds, eight assists for Siakam and a fantastic performance. Fred Van Vliet finishes with 20 hit six threes because the Charlotte Hornets kept leaving him open. Inexplicably. It was, uh, look, I just gotta say this. Um, It's it's time for a little. I got to bring a little bit of of spice on this one. I'm sorry. I just I can't help. <laughs> um, okay. Look, Lamelo Ball tonight had 15 points on five of 19 shooting, mm. nine assists for sure, mm. seven sure. turnovers. His mm. defense was abysmal. It was <laughs> so bad. And like I'm willing to say, like I try, like I I catch a, a fair amount of every team trying to keep up with the league, right? So. I don't want to take too much. I, I'm just not quite sure that Lamelo Ball is as good. I'm not saying he's not good. He is. I'm just he got chosen as an All Star today, and I'm, I'm not sure about it, David. I'm not either. I, I got to be a hundred percent honest with you. I, I think he's fun, right? And I think yeah. there's an element of that that a lot of people have taken and said, oh, because he's fun. And because there's a name attachment to it, and because he represents the Charlotte Hornets, and there isn't really any other great player there aside from maybe Terry Rozier on occasion, uh, that you have to represent, you, know, you have to have a representative there from that team. And I don't see why. Like I, I don't see why you can't have a second All Star in Miami or a second All Star from Toronto because Pascal Siakam to me would have been a better pick. Jared Allen would have been a better pick there. I, I don't know exactly why you choose ball with the exception of ball he's fun he'll add an element of fun to a game that's mostly an exhibition completely an exhibition and should be fun for the fans and things that sort and and if the fans if the peripheral fans are that interested in fun anyway and they're tuning into the all-star game to watch it well i guess i understand the selection but as a player in a vacuum he's just it's just too chaotic for my taste, Matt. I mean, I, I know that fun is fun, but at the same time, I'd rather have somebody a little bit more consistent who could be your best player and could be the, the, the player that guides you towards winning and having something sustainable. And I just don't ever get that sense from a guy like Lamelo. I just he's great on occasion and absolutely terrible on others. And that being the case, 
I'm just not sure why that warrants an all-star selection. At least that's my opinion. He's shooting 46% at the rim on non-post-ups this season. That's per synergy. That's 14th percentile league-wide. And that's, he's shooting 36th percentile, or he's shooting 36% from three, which is fine, but that's okay. You know, he's shooting 47% from, from two, which is not awesome. I don't know. I just, I'm with you on the fun thing. I, and Hey, all-star, I do say like, I've decided just to care a lot more about all NBA. I'll just say this, like LaMelo ball is like, not, not on is it should be way down on the others listed or others receive votes category for all NBA. Like the gap between him, like even him and and Fred Van Vliet tonight, I'm sorry. Like it's true. Like Fred Van Vliet is a much better, more impactful and better player than LaMelo ball right now. You know, and, and that's just where that's at. Raptors get another good win. They continue to climb. Uh, they also get tiebreaker over the Hornets tonight with this win, just in case that they do have any sort of injuries and slip off. That's going to help them with playoff positioning in case uh, Charlotte is able to hang. In I've got to ask though. I mean, you, you watch the game, and this seems to be the the modus operandi for Nick Nurse this year. But there's just no depth on his team, and I know we'll probably talk about this team in context of the trade deadline. But they have to do something. They can't keep playing everybody an average of 40 minutes, even in a game that wasn't particularly close. You know, extended minutes for everybody. And I know Nurse kind of shrugs it off and says, "Oh, these guys can handle it." It's not sustainable, right? You can't keep no. putting these, get grinding these guys onto the floor like that. Like that's just, it's just not going to work to to have you know, such a limited uh, amount of depth to choose from there. So they're going to have to do something. I, I, I mean, I don't even think they have like a player that's injured that's going to come back and provide a particular impact or anything like that. So AC, it seems like a move has to be made just to be able to alleviate some of the the scoring threat there, or just to be able to contribute something that they're missing right now from their depth. I mean, they've been active. They they've been they're in talks, but. All of their stuff is very much on the on. Honestly, here's what's weird is they've been shopping for a center from everything. Mm. So like they're looking for big man upgrades, which makes sense because Chris Boucher is just I don't think what they want to see. He was a plus twenty three tonight. He had good minutes off the bench, but um, you know, Precious yeah. Achua has not been the guy that they wanted. They like uh, they like Kim Birch. they like Kim Birch a lot. Yeah, uh, they like Kim Birch a lot. Um, but he's getting yeah. I will say like again, good reminder: if the Heat give up on a guy, you don't want it. Just <laughs> general thing if the heat give up on a guy you should be like no thanks no thank you uh (laughs) another game tonight the golden state warriors get another win versus the oklahoma city thunder thunder hung in actually led off the first quarter um had it going early but then just could not really stand uh the i mean really what this kind of came down to was just the warriors had slightly better offense and as good a defense like these are two really good defensive teams right yeah. so even it being 110 98 the warriors had got have good depth right like they get i think the story from this one honestly is jonathan kaminga who continues sure. as a rookie to be the guy that they wanted wiseman to be he looks awesome as a short roll small ball five he finishes with 16 points four rebounds four assists and a plus 12 he plays defense he makes a lot of plays. He took a charge tonight, which apparently is not something yeah. he's ever done, but Draymond's <laughs> been on the team about it. Um, Steph only takes 12 shots tonight, but he gets like 18. Uh, Clay Thompson has minute limit bumped up and he scores 21 uh, on six of 15 and three of eight shooting. Got good minutes from Wiggins. Like this was just a boilerplate. The Warriors formula of good defense versus a bad offense and pretty good offense versus a shorthanded bench was enough to get the win. Yeah, I, I like that Kaminga got to the line seven times too. Yep. He was aggressive. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but look, I mean, 
it's a it's a feel good story, right? To see Clay leading the team and scoring with twenty one points, yeah. three of eight from three point shooting. So I, I mean, just a, a good overall game. He's uh, he's coming back. Do you think he'll be close to not the version he was, but uh, close to enough so that he can continue to be an impactful player as Golden State makes a deep playoff run? I think the best way to think about it is that you don't need Clay to be Clay Thompson every night. You need Clay Thompson to be Clay Thompson two out of every seven games. Okay. And if he's Clay Thompson two out of seven times, That's they're going to have a really good chance to advance every round. Yeah. Um, Lou Dort with 26 tonight on nine of 21 shooting um, shot three of 12 from three. They were chucking it from three in this game, both teams. Um, I actually like the way that Darius Baisley played a lot yeah. in this game. I thought he was very good. Uh, Josh Giddy had seven assists. If you get a chance, go watch YouTube of just Josh Giddy's assist. That kid's going to be, uh, one of the best passes in the league, I think, for a long time. His gift at passing is incredible. He's got to learn to make a layup. But Okay. In context of what we were talking about with LaMelo Ball, how would you differentiate what it is that Giddy brings to the table versus what LaMelo brings to the table? I mean, I, mean, I know I think, they're completely different players. but Yeah, I think right now they're pretty similar, honestly. It's like uh, Giddy's like less consistent. Like He's not able mm-hmm. to make high-leverage passes every single time the way that LaMelo yeah. really can. Like, LaMelo's a f- phenomenal passer. Um I think really the kind of comparison is just that LaMelo is, is the team that is, is the guy that they're going to build everything around mm-hmm. and the Thunder are going to use Giddy as like a secondary playmaker. And yeah. so like that kind of comparison there is, is a, I think that rule differential is kind of important. Okay. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the Knicks, Knicksing, and we'll also get into some trade rumors. We'll do that when we come back on Locked on NBA. But first, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues through the big game here on Sunday. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new and amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. We'll be right back on Locked on NBA. Making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. I don't really want to talk about gambling tonight, David, because uh, I had the Knicks. I had the. I'll say this: I had the Suns minus seven and a half, and they were up by like seventeen points, and just like yeah. it was. It was that one was weird, but the Knicks won. Oh boy. Oh boy, the Knicks. So the Knicks actually played really well in Utah versus a team without Rudy Gobert. Right. The Jazz are pretty beatable. Even at home, they're pretty beatable. And the Knicks really played pretty well through three quarters of this game and then just nixed the hell out of the end of this game. Um, Turnovers, bad possessions. Julius Randle made some of the weirdest plays down the stretch. Like that was pretty text like that was textbook like i'm just here so i don't get fine i guess you guys should trade me kind of like i mean as please rough stuff uh rj barrett goes eight of 25 from the field and one of seven from three i like rj i think he's played well this season this was a bad game from him uh 
the Jazz, it's weird that the Jazz struggled in this game because you look at it and you're like, they got 32 from Donovan Mitchell, 18 yeah. from Conley, and 20 from Bogdanovich on 6 of 14 shooting. And they got really good minutes, I thought, from Udoka Azubuki, who continues to really impress me. Yeah. And yet, like, and like Eric Pascal was a plus 21. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm just trying to figure out like how the Knicks hung in this game, but they did, especially in the first half. Um, I think a big part of that was that Mitch Robinson was really good attacking inside. And then Udoka did a much better job in the second half. Yeah, that's fair. And look, Randall playing his standard bully ball too. I mean, 32 points for him, 10 yeah. to 20. So on paper, it looked like a good game, but then you take into that consideration that fourth quarter where he was, well, he was just the, the, the worst version of Julius Randall that we've seen so often. Uh, this Knicks team, just I, they've fallen apart so completely. And I know that he wants to get off that team. We've heard it before. He's frustrated. He's unhappy with his role there. He's unhappy with the team. I'm not sure if he's ever going to find happiness anywhere. But tonight, uh, he had it for three quarters, and then he just kind of lost it towards the end there. But as far as the Jazz are concerned, I mean, they're a team that goes on runs sometimes. They held it together and then just caught fire. They caught, You know, they they... Had some momentum going, uh, you know, with the crowd. All of a sudden, everything just ignited. They were able to you know, pace themselves and then just exploded in that fourth quarter to outscore the, uh, the Knicks by eight, uh, what, 13 points in the fourth quarter there. So, uh, and a great shooting night from from uh, Mitchell, as you mentioned, 13 to 26. Not so good from three point line, but, you know, able to do what he does well. Uh, Mike Conley with a solid game, too. So, uh, you know, the Jazz, I, I think they're still kind of hanging in there. I, I, I'm less bullish about them that i was this is a good win for them against a struggling knicks team but at the same time uh they still have issues to figure out i know they've uh, they're a little banged up as you mentioned before what's your take on the jazz uh, as they're heading into the trade deadline because i think that's the the segue for a lot of people there do you see them making a move because i think a lot of people expect them to do so i mean i think they were going to if ingles had been healthy and i think that mm. losing ingles as a trade chip hurts pretty bad yeah. um they don't have a lot of options outside of that. Like, I don't think Hassan Whiteside, I'll say this, like everyone's looking for a backup center. So they want to give up Whiteside and just go with Udoka and Rudy Gay, who didn't play tonight as your backup reserve centers. That's a, that's not a bad idea. Like you mm -hmm. can get pretty good value there because literally I, I've heard of eight different teams looking for a backup center. That's mm -hmm. randomly like the hot, the hottest position right now. Like the best guys are at, are at wing like combo forward, basically it's Jeremy Grant, um, Harrison Barnes, right. those guys. Yeah. But the one, the position everybody's kind of looking for is backup center. So they might be able to make a move there. They're looking, I know that they're looking for, they're looking for upgrades on perimeter defense, but they want to make mm. sure they've got shooting. They kicked the tires on Covington and decided that, that wasn't the fit. And then obviously he goes to the Clippers. Um, they're one of the teams that's talked to Sacramento, according to sources um, about Harrison Barnes. Right. And, They've reached out, and amongst a number of teams, they've talked to Detroit about Jeremy Grant, which would be a really yeah. interesting fit there. That one would obviously, I think, take more assets. They'd have to really yeah. commit to, like, Jeremy Grant. But, boy, if you want to stick it to a Nuggets team that um, beat you three, beat, beat you in a seven-game series down 3-1 a couple of years ago, getting Jeremy Grant, who helped them win that series, would be a big step. It would get them another creator. I don't know that Grant wants the role that he'd be in in Utah. Right. Right. Because he would be again like a fourth option behind Mitchell and Gobert and Conley, but it would definitely, I think, bolster either way the Jazz's chance of kind of making a run. Grant could be that difference maker. I think Barnes would be a good fit there too. Yeah, I um, like that one better. Yeah, they can get him. He's he's a good option. A lot of talk about the Knicks tonight. 
lot, lots of talk about the Knicks in terms of the trade market. They're, I'm not sure who it is that they're after. Uh, I heard one name that I can't get nailed down, but like they've been, they've been aggressive. They're picking up as the, as the deadline gets closer. They kind of like, I hadn't heard anything about them for, I don't know, about a week. And now all yeah. of a sudden there's a lot of news coming in, about the Knicks, um, meanwhile, I was quiet on the Ben Simmons, James Harden front for now. It's, I want to ask you about this. Um, so you haven't been doing this a while and we've seen the politics and the public negotiating go on. And it's tough because if the Nets don't trade Harden, then it's like, Hey, Steve Nash told you they weren't going to trade him. And then right. if they do trade Harden, it's like, well, of course, Steve Nash told you that they were going to, they weren't going to trade Harden. Trying to parse right. from fiction here, I think is, is really difficult. Uh, what do you think is the optimum outcome for the Nets? Is it to keep him and try and make a run? Is it to cash in the asset to make sure you don't lose him for nothing? Like, what's the best case scenario for the Nets? I'd have to say it's win. Uh, that kind of cures most things. And if you could get Kevin Durant back and, and he's you know close to the player he was, which I'm sure will likely be the case, then all of a sudden Brooklyn turns things around and things aren't so dire. Uh, there'll always be frustration with a player like James. That's, that's just his nature. Uh, he can't help himself in that regard. And I think he's uh, uh, not temperamental, but you know, a, a difficult, big presence in any locker room. And then you've got three of them to boot. Uh, who would have thought that of those big three, Kevin Durant would probably be the easy, the, the player to get along with the easiest. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you look at that team and, and I, I think if you can win and the, the East remains pretty wide open, uh, you know, as good as Miami has looked, you've got Philadelphia that looks pretty strong. Uh, you've got the Cavs making a run. You've got Toronto that's been surprisingly good. And of course, you know, you get the big three back in Brooklyn healthy. And I think their chances are as good as anybody. Of course, we're overlooking Milwaukee because that's just been the way we've done things for the past three seasons. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they're pretty damn good, too. Uh, and, and so I think if you can win now, then you can make a case that you, we were this close. Or if you were able to somehow advance past the into the NBA finals and make a run, uh, then you can say, you know, come back. We'll bring it back together. Uh, keep this team going so that we can, you know, continue to build on what we've established here. It'll be different next season. Who knows? Uh, that, that's my feeling is that to win now is always the best way of setting uh, the culture for whatever you want to do in the future, because you can always attract another big name. You can always attract a player. You can always keep the ones that you have if you're able to sell them on the fact that we're a winning team and we're a winning culture. And There's nothing wrong with being in Brooklyn. So uh, that's my perspective. I can also make an I can see the argument for going the other route and saying, you know what? We're going to lose him anyway. Might as well get back what we can. And and you can make even a pretty good case that Ben Simmons might be a better fit in Brooklyn than what James Harden is able to provide. I think more mm. of a complimentary level player too. So uh, do you have a strong opinion on that one way or the other? Because I'm curious to hear that. I kind of think <clears throat> you're basically trying to say you have to first accept the idea that winning a title is worth whatever, which that's a fair thing, right? Like it you is. win a title, a title, like LeBron, LeBron AD don't regret everything, anything with the Lakers. Like they won a title, right? And Lakers fans don't regret the AD trade. They won a title. Kawhi, um, you know, Kawhi, yeah, Kawhi Toronto, same, et cetera. Yeah, same yeah. kind of deal. You win a title and it's, it seems worth it. Yeah. I will say you, you, here's what you need. You need Harden to stay, to recommit, 
to get healthy, to stay healthy, you need the city of New York to lift its vaccine mandate. You need Kevin Durant to come back and stay healthy, which is that's he's being asked of a lot. There's already a lot of talk around the league that they're shopping for wings uh, mm-hmm. shoot, which people have taken as like, maybe Joe, Joe Harris won't be yeah. available. And if they are without Joe Harris, like that's another, it's just, I, I, I seen I've saw this team twice. I had an NBA bet stream on league pass on Friday of them versus the jazz Oof, that game. And then I saw them in person versus the nuggets Oof, that game. It's it's you know and people would be like well they didn't have Katie and Harden so and I'm like yeah but it's not just that it's that they don't have any rim protection and they don't have any great defenders on the outside and they're dependent on minutes from Cam Thomas and Kessler Edwards and Daron Sharp like Lamarcus Aldridge is getting a second opinion on his ankle like I just don't know what their percentage of chances are and if you can't say that you're that you are better than fifty percent to win your conference which I don't think you can say given how good the Heat and the Bucks are and the Sixers. Then I look at it and go, you can't risk losing him for nothing. And you mm. probably need to explore the idea. The other thing I think is really interesting is whether or not they want Simmons. That to me is a really fascinating question that I, I was talking to an executive last night and he was like, I don't know. He was like, I, you know, if they're, they lost so much draft capital in the Harden trade. Right. And if you're this team, instead of trying to figure it out with Simmons, you might want to just get draft capital with a th- from a third team and then use that draft capital next year when hopefully the, va- the mandate is lifted and Kyrie's back and use those assets plus Cam Thomas or whoever else and use that to go get whoever the next star is, right? Just bring the next one in and go that route. But the, the dynamics of this are really complicated. Like it's, this is intense stuff going on between those two franchises. What's, what's, what's the window slash goal for KD and Kyrie? I know Kyrie, obviously who, who can tell um, publicly, privately, who knows what his, uh, his take on it is, but KD is he, you know, he's working his way. He worked his way back from injury. He's become the best player in the league. Uh, you know, he's, he's done so many great things over the last couple of seasons. And yet, you know, he's already won his championships. Does he feel the intense need to continue winning? And if, or, or is it for him more about just, peace of mind and being able to play out his career without any hassles, without any expectations and things of that sort. Like you, if you asked him, you'd probably get the typical answer of like, I want to win. I want to build a championship. I want to build a championship here, but maybe that's not the case. I mean, you, you kind of, you bring these personalities together and it's so difficult to contain them and get the most out of them, especially when health is so questionable for all three of them for a prolonged period of time that I just, I don't know. I wonder whether or not, they have that same kind of championship window in mind when you're talking about them players as individuals and whether or not they feel the need to, to win now to, to, to try and be as impactful as they possibly can in the short term and whether or not they're willing to say, perhaps like you said, maybe trade James in exchange for draft capital and kind of continue to build something for five, six years down the road. I don't know. I mean, when you look at a player like KD, like most often, the conversation is, "Well, he's got this window of his prime. You want to be able to take advantage of it, so you can, you know, parlay that into a championship." Maybe that's not the case for KD. Maybe he doesn't feel as strongly about wanting to win a ring in Brooklyn because he's already got his two rings. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting conversation. Certainly is, and there'll be much more to come on. I'm sure we talked about it all week, especially on the NBA trade deadline show on Locked On NBA YouTube. Let's go wrap it up for Tuesday's edition of Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Hope you guys have a great week. Back here tomorrow with another episode with 
our fabulous array of hosts. You can check out David on Twitter at DRamel13. Find me on Twitter at HP Basketball. Thanks for joining us, everybody. See you again next time. Thanks for watching and listening to Locked on NBA.